Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Fabulous football Wednesday to you, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Strong as Steel. And oh, do we have a a fabulous college football slate that we're going to uh, get to in just a moment here. I'm Michael Regai, pleased to be joined as always here on Strong as Steel by the preeminent author, analyst, evaluator in college football, the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview. That, of course, is Phil Steele. Phil, what's going on? This is a, a tasty menu coming up this weekend, my man. Yeah, a lot of interesting games. And, uh, you know, even when you think there's not interesting games in college football, like two weeks ago when you had zero ranked versus ranked teams, there were still four top ten teams that went down. So I think every weekend in college football is exciting. No question about it. It's it's an elimination weekend. I mean, we Phil and I discuss that all the time. You can't afford... Uh, uh, really, in reality, more than one slip-up. Uh, if you have national championship designs, uh, the way the uh, college football landscape is set up, and that's what we discuss here on Strong as Steel each and every week. Our producer is Jim Nabosna. You'll be hearing from Jim as you get your Twitter questions lined up a little bit later. So let me uh, set the menu for you here today. Here's how you get involved. We love your involvement on Strong as Steel. 646-668-2248. 646-668-2248. Twitter. We love social media. Again, we, we, we understand that a lot of you love to get with us on social media, and we're here to make that happen for you. At Phil Steele 42 At Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I at Jim Nabosna. So as Phil said, it, it, it always could turn into a very turbulent weekend that rocks the 
the top 25. We had the two big ones last week. And, and Phil, let's start today with, uh, in those two big ones last week, the two winners. Let's start uh, this one this week. Big one again, uh, right after the win over USC, uh, Brian Kelly and his ninth-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They host Dave Doran and uh, the 14th-ranked Wolfpack of NC State. Both these squads 6-1. and one. Phil, you know, it's very difficult to comprehend how an 11-1 regular season uh, Irish football squad get, would get left out of the CFP. Now, I know they've got a tough road. It starts Saturday, and uh, Dave Dorn's football team is no joke. Now, last week, Irish quarterback Brandon Wimbush was superb. 49-14 blasting of USC. Josh Adams, the running back, is rolling for Notre Dame. He's averaging nine yards a carry, eight touchdowns. They average 41 points a game. Their defense has only given up 16, Phil. They're formidable, but so is North Carolina State. They're lost to South Carolina by a TD in the opener. They beat Florida State. They beat Louisville in ACC play. Ryan Finley, the North Carolina State quarterback, has been out of sight. He's hitting 70% of his passes, 11 TDs, no picks. He's got four different receivers with two or more touchdown catches on the year. Phil, this could be a classic. Bradley Chubb, a guy that's come in the spotlight with the NC State defensively. Could we be looking at an epic classic between these two and South Bend this weekend? Yeah, and it's one of those national title elimination games that you mentioned. You go back to NC State's loss to South Carolina. In that game, they had a 29-12 first down edge, 504-246 yard edge, yet somehow lost the game. Had they won that game, they'd be unbeaten right now and probably be in the top five or six of the polls because they have an outstanding defense. They've got the run game with Naheem Hines, and then they've got, as you mentioned, Ryan Finley having an outstanding year throwing the football. They are a complete squad. And, you know, while the Irish are putting up mind-boggling numbers for a non-option team, I mean, 318 yards per game rush, 7.1 yards per carry, I do want to point out they've taken on two top-notch rush defenses this year, Georgia held them to 55 yards rushing, and even Michigan State, which I don't think is in the same level as NC State's defensive line, uh, held them to 182 yards and 4.6 yards per carry, well below their season's average. And when you look at NC State's rush defense this year, giving up just 91 yards on the ground, 3 yards per carry, one of the best defensive lines in the country, led by Brandon Chubb. Uh, so this, uh, I think it's an NC State team that's going to slow down that Irish offense. I think Notre Dame's defense, though, also playing well, holding opponents 33 yards below their season average. Really, the way to beat NC State is throwing the football on them. It'll be interesting to see if Winbush can throw like he did last week because he'll have a little bit more pressure on him than he did last week. So I, th- I think this will be a, a lower-scoring-than-expected game. Uh, I'm liking uh, Notre Dame to win this one, but probably something right around a touchdown in this one. So I'm going to take uh, the Irish to win that one, something like 31-24. to and that's exactly what the line is, correct, Phil? Looking at seven, seven and a half in that area. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Dave Doran's football team in the points. I'm, I'm not calling for an outright win here, but uh, I think Bradley Chubb and keep an eye on him as one of the uh, very most destructive uh, defensive linemen in college football. I think they keep it close, maybe even with a chance to win down the stretch. So that's one of the big ones here on Strongest Steel. And this is how we do it. We break it down, assess it, evaluate it for you. So you've got everything you need. You've got Phil Steele's 2017 college football preview mag with you. And uh, you won't go wrong as you join us each and every week here 
uh, strong as steel. Uh, if you're on the line, stay there. Phil, I'll get one, the, the other big one in here. And last week, uh, the number two Penn State Nittany Lions went to 7-0. and Absolutely tremendous performance here. As they belted around Michigan, 42-13 to in Happy Valley. They avenged the blowout loss that Michigan put on them in Ann Arbor last year. Phil, I thought offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead was brilliant. Uh, direct snapping to Saquon Barkley, second play of the game, gassed Michigan. 69-yard TD. Quarterback Trace McSorley and Barkley accounted for uh, all the touchdowns, run, throw. The defense was strong. They only allowed nine points a game. And, Phil, now they got to go into uh, Columbus, Ohio, where a scalding hot J.T. Barrett and Ohio State's offense. They've elevated their pass game since the loss to Oklahoma. Barrett's at 21 touchdowns and only one pick on the year. He rushes for five yards per himself with five touchdowns. J.K. Dobbins is averaging almost eight yards a carry. He's kind of above Mike Weber now, although Weber gets carries as the top tailback here. So, I mean, Phil, here's the deal. There's so much to like about both these football teams here. You just, it is an elimination game for Ohio State. They can't afford another loss. Penn State could and possibly still be where they need to be. But for me, can Ohio State's defense do enough to at least curtail McSorley and Barkley and Mike Gesicki and that crew and, and be able to do that defensively to allow their offense to generate and possibly win this football game? Yeah, I definitely think they can. And I love the defensive line. Uh, versus the Penn State offensive line in this matchup. You know, as impressive as Penn State was last week, I'll take you back three weeks ago when they played Indiana and they had just 39 yards on the ground. Northwestern, two weeks ago, 95 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. So you can slow the Penn State rush attack down. Urban Myers an outstanding 29-4 and four off a of bye. And last week, he was scheming up ways to beat Penn State. Penn State was scheming up ways to beat Michigan. And when a team goes and plays its marquee game like Penn State did last week and have the effort they did and blow out Michigan, uh, it's tough to recapture that in back-to-back weeks. And at this time, they won't have the whiteout crowd behind them. This time, the crowd will be a hostile crowd against them. That changes up your snap counts a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. I think Ohio State's defensive line can slow down the rush attack, and that's going to force McSorley to throw. Now, you got to think, as, as I've talked to you before, Michael, that you know the, the Ohio State secondary is not the secondary they've had the last couple of years. But Correct. McSorley throws so many Correct. of those jump balls. I think Ohio State might grab one or two of them, especially if the run game's not working. And I just love the situation here. I think you've got a team in Ohio State and Penn State have played equal schedules this year. Ohio State is outgaining their foes by 272 yards per game. Penn State by 180. The Buckeyes hitting on all cylinders. You know, Nebraska, when they played Wisconsin a couple weeks back, that thing was 17-17 late third quarter, and that was Wisconsin. Ohio State's offense is percolating so much that they shredded Diaco's defense, scoring touchdowns on basically all eight drives they tried uh, in that game, their first eight drives of the game. I love the way their offense is operating. I think the defensive line against Penn State's offensive line is an edge to Ohio State. The situation is huge, uh, being at home off of a bye. I like Ohio State to win this one by more than the touchdown. Mm, so you're taking Ohio State, huh? I'm almost hearing like if I didn't know better, you'd maybe call for an Ohio State blowout win here over Penn no, State. I would never uh, call for I, a blowout over Penn State. <laughs> I can't go that way. I think it's coming down the fourth quarter. 
I do think Ohio State will win the football game, but I, I think this is going to be – Phil, I'm going to say it's going to be reminiscent of the uh, the Ohio State uh, overtime win over Michigan last year in the season finale. I, I see that type of football game being decided by within the number. So you and I will, will, will go against each other just a little bit in, in that one. Do like an Ohio State win, though, just like you do. So, But that, those are the two that are really going to uh, – uh, I think have the uh, the country uh, talking a lot about this college football weekend. There are more in a minute. We'll get to Georgia and Florida and Clemson and Georgia Tech, and TCU, Iowa State. That's how we do it here on Strong as Steel. All right, 646-668-2248. Great to have you along. As always, we love your input and uh, love your college football uh, opinions. Let's go to Pittsburgh, our man Nine Route, uh, with some uh, – some thoughts on this weekend in college football. Hello, Nine Rob. Hey, Michael, Phil, how you doing? Uh, love the show again. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, gonna go back to the uh, Missouri Tigers this week. You know, I'm usually not an over/under guy, but they worked for us last week against Idaho. And I, I just look at these defenses, Missouri and Connecticut, both pretty poor, especially Connecticut against the pass and dry weather up there in stores, Connecticut. And I'm liking this one to go over. 72. Just want to get your thoughts on that game. Thank you. All right. Appreciate the call, Nine Round. And I agree with you. And, you know, all you have to do is look at this Missouri offense when they take on a Power 5 team and when they take on a non-Power 5 team. Against Power 5 teams, Missouri averages uh, 20 points per game, which is 45 points per game less than they do against non-Power 5 teams. Non-Power 5, how about 689 yards per game, 65 points per game, and Missouri's numbers last week against Idaho pretty much bore that out. They almost matched it to a T. As you pointed out, Connecticut's defense, uh, a big difference. Last year, they played the offense was very conservative. They tried to limit the amount of plays they ran. Uh, so they had an adequate defense last year. You knew that defense would be under a lot more fire this year with the hurry-up offense. And it has proved exactly that. Uh, the defense giving up 543 yards per game, 67% completions through the air. Look for Drew Locke to have a huge game this week once again. And uh, on the flip side of the coin, Connecticut can score. Brandon, Brian Sheriffs is putting some points on the board. Missouri is far from a dominating defense uh, this year, so I think they will score. And uh, I'm in complete agreement with the air. I think we're going to see a lot of points. We're going to see more points by the Missouri side of the coin here, which is why I also like them. I think they're laying less than two touchdowns in this one. i got to like Missouri anytime they take on a non-Power 5 team. Appreciate the call. That's how we do it. We touch on everything around college football this week nine. Again, every week. I mean, we're we're talking about uh, teams that are uh, always you face that second loss elimination week, and we know what that means uh, around the college football playoffs. So we touch on them all from the top twenty-five, power five, group of five, every conference that uh, you enjoy. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer Jim Nabosna. Uh, 646-668-2248, our man Mark in New York, always ready to go with some Mountain West thoughts today uh, here on Strongest Steel. What's going on, Mark? Welcome. How you doing, guys? I uh, just thought I'd talk about one of the most exciting games we got this weekend, Air Force versus Colorado State, just as everybody thought. Um, but uh, I just want to bring up this line. It's at 11. And uh, if you look at last week, Colorado State had a little bit of trouble with New Mexico. And Air Force, uh, you know, being that I am in the Air Force, I'm a little bit biased. Uh, they give up, you know, the best effort every week. You know, against Navy, they were down by about 20. 
and they came back and only lost by three. And I just think you got a team that uh, has a lot of grit and a lot of no-quit attitude. I just feel like that 11 is a little bit too big. What do you guys think? Okay, that's a good comment on that game because, yeah, you're right. When you look at Air Force down big to Navy, down huge to UNLV. I mean, that thing was, what, 27 to nothing. Uh, once again, last week, it looked like Nevada was going to win that game. Uh, and then Air Force makes the comeback and gets the three-point win at the end. So uh, they've clearly been a second-half team. Now, Colorado State does have an edge in the fact that they're getting to face the option the second straight week. And they also probably have the most explosive offense in the Mountain West Conference. Didn't show last week with only 411 yards, but Nick Stevens having a fine year, hitting 62%, uh, 20 touchdowns. They've got two great running backs in Dalen Dawkins and Izzy Matthews. It gives each other a nice breather every game. Michael Gallup's already got 1,000 yards receiving, so they can score points on anybody. And uh, so far this year, they're averaging 90 yards above what their opponents normally allow. That means they'll be nearing the 500-yard marker here. So I do look for Colorado State to be up, but uh, Air Force is sort of reminding me now of the Detroit Lions in the NFL. There's uh, no lead too safe against them, so that might be sound strategy on your part with uh, Air Force coming in the back door. But I like Colorado State to win the game. Appreciate the call, Mark. I like the analogy to the NFL there, Phil. Good stuff. The Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions fourth quarter offense. That's uh, that's excellent. Uh, on we go here on Strong as Steel. I don't know. It's uh, you know I had a great uh, opportunity in uh, back in the nineties. I decided was well, a big time college football guy. I got to go to the uh, the world's biggest cocktail party. Phil uh, one time it took in Florida and Georgia in Jacksonville. Let's head down to the state of Florida here on Strong as Steel. Here's our man Lou joining the show. Lou, you gonna go to the cocktail party this weekend? No, nah, man, I ain't going to the cocktail party, man. But hey, man, I, uh, <laughs> all right, I listened. I, I listened to you last week, man. You told me to take UMass. You told me to take Missouri. You told me to take FAU. Now I gotta ask you. I'm a Gator fan. I gotta ask you, what are we gonna do plus fourteen against the Georgia Bulldogs? <laughs> I was thinking about the over. Oh uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you, the call. I thank you for them picks last week. I thank you for them. All right. Thank you, Lou. And thanks for bringing that up. Uh, and uh, yeah, we take a look at this Georgia Florida game. And this is one of those games where, you know, on paper, you got to like Georgia. They've been pretty much crushing every opponent that they've played all season long. Their defense is holding opponents to 169 yards below their season average. The offense, Jake Fromm getting a little more comfortable every week. They're actually gaining 88 yards above their season average. Now, Florida has taken on the much tougher schedule this year. You're looking at LSU, A&M, Michigan, teams like that on the schedule, whereas Georgia did play Notre Dame, but other than that, they haven't really played one of the uh, the big-time opponents. Uh, Florida was very depleted the last couple of weeks injury-wise. Maybe they can get some of those receivers back they've been missing. They've, of course, been down the 10 suspended players all year. Their defense actually given up seven yards above the season average, but playing better as of late. I look at the fact that they held LSU to 341, and back when that happened, you're thinking, well, that's not a great performance, but LSU has since really lit it up. And same thing with A&M. They held them to 263 total yards. Kellen Mond has been really coming on strong for A&M. So the defense playing well offensively if they get those weapons back at receiver. I think Felipe Franks would be a better thrower. Malik Davis gives them the running game option. The key is getting some of those skilled players healthy. They've been missing a bulk of them the last couple of games. I like Georgia to win the game uh, and probably by close to the two touchdowns, but that would not be one of my stronger plays of the weekend because as much as on paper it looks like Georgia, 
Florida's dominated the series. And look at Florida's losses this year. You know, a one-point loss to LSU, a two-point loss to A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't really been blown out with the exception of Michigan, and that was a game that sort of snowballed on them in the, in the fourth quarter. Appreciate the call, Lou. Yeah, good stuff, Lou. And uh, maybe you can have your own cocktail party while watching uh, Florida at Georgia this week. You know, Phil, the Gators have won the Gators have won three straight, right? In this rivalry, they've dominated. I got them at twenty-one and six in the last twenty-seven. And Phil, did you see this week that uh, the Gators were calling Georgia out? They were calling Jake Fromm out, saying that he doesn't throw the ball deep. He throws a lot of uh, checkdowns and, and and safe throws. They said that you know they can't beat Florida. So Florida for a three and three football team, as you said, a couple close losses, but for a three and three football team, they're doing a lot of talking about what they're they're going to do to Georgia this week. I I found that rather interesting. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's not what you want to do prior to a robbery game is uh, call the opponent out, but then again, if your opponent's not already fired up for you, then what does it take to get them fired up? Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, your thoughts, uh, how do you like the combination of uh, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle? I, I I just love them. I think they're brilliant. I'm a little bit surprised that there's that big of a spare. Chubb's had a lot more carries this year than the Michelle, but they've combined for over 1,100 yards with 14 TDs. That's very comforting when uh, they've had to uh, put in that true frost quarterback, Jake Fromm, that run game. Yeah, and don't forget about DeAndre Swift either. He's averaging 8.5 yards per carry. Uh, Georgia has one of the top running back cores in the country. I still think Alabama's got the best one, though. If I was looking at Bama, I Mm -hmm. mean, you got the big guy in Scarborough, you got the speed with the guys in Harris, you know, named Harris. Uh, They are loaded in Alabama. So I'm still taking Alabama number one. Okay, Felipe Franks, too. We'll keep a close eye on him. Now the quarterback there. Not a whole lot in the passing game this year from Franks and uh, Jim McElwain squad, so we'll see how that fares against Georgia. The cocktail party in Jacksonville coming up on Saturday. Hey, it's a big college football weekend. Every weekend is big. We're, uh, this is the final week in October. Then we'll swing in in November, and we know what that means with the college football playoff rankings coming out. We basically uh, break it all down for you here noon Eastern, noon Eastern on Blog Talk Radio every week. You can catch us as well. All you have to do is go to iTunes. Uh, you'll never be without Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna, 646-668-2248. Let's go to uh, our friends in Oregon. And uh, Stanford, Stanford, a very, very uh, intriguing football team this time of year. Here's our man Tyler from Oregon with some thoughts on the Cardinal in Oregon State. Hey, Tyler, how are you? Good morning, everyone. Wait, it's the end of October already. Where'd the time go? Um, hey, Phil, I know. I saw the. Yeah, Phil, I saw the. Let's see, Oregon State played its be- probably its best game of the season against Colorado last time out, outgaining them by nearly 200 yards. It just didn't translate on the scoreboard. Stanford's a bit of a different beast, though, and both teams have had 10 days off to prepare for this game, which makes me a little nervous, especially with a one-game head coach versus David Shaw, who's one of the best coaches in the country on extra time. So my question is, was the last performance by Oregon State a flash in the pan, or can the team with the Halloween color scheme come up with another scare? Because we all know it's a ranked road team on Thursday night is not the best place to be. Yeah, that is true, and uh, and the fact that it's Halloween weekend, we've seen a lot of upsets this particular weekend. 
uh, in college football throughout the years. So it is something where Stanford needs to be a little on guard. Now, I'm going to attribute uh, Oregon State's performance to Colorado to that uh, coach leaves, one game bounce thing. I, I think you usually play a great game when, when a coach leaves, everybody rallies around it. But at least you, you had to like what you saw to some of the players uh, in that game. And as you mentioned, you don't put up 569 yards with having some talent out there. And, and uh, uh, in the game, uh, I thought that uh, you know Garrettson looked uh, pretty good since he's taken over for Luton uh, at the, at the uh, quarterback spot. And defensively, they played pretty well. But this Stanford team is just operating on all cylinders. And, I mean, since that losses to USC and San Diego State, they have been crushing foes. They're averaging 7.7 yards per carry. And defensively, they've really picked it up as well. They've held, uh, as an example, in their last game, they held Oregon to 160 yards below their season average. They're starting to look like that Stanford defense a little bit, even though they're giving up five yards per carry, which is the head-scratching number to me. I, I can't remember a Stanford team giving up five yards per carry. So it's good to see Oregon State go back to handing the ball to Ryan Nall. If I'm the and he had 172 yards, by the way, against Colorado. If they continue to do that with Nall, I think that uh, they can shrink this game and, and make it competitive because Nall should be able to have success on that Stanford defense, which really hasn't stopped a lot of teams from running the football. So I, I think uh, I like Stanford to go on the road, get the win. But uh, I understand your case there, Tyler, and I, I can I can see it happening with the uh, the weirdness of a Thursday night road game. Appreciate the call. Yeah, three touchdown a dog are the Beavers of Oregon State in this one, Phil. Twenty and a half, twenty-one. I, I tell you what, Stanford, uh, you know, already with a couple of losses, they may not be able to make it happen for themselves. But boy, are they going to have a large say so in it? How about the next couple of weeks? They uh, they go to Washington State and then they get Washington at home the first two weeks of November. And after Cal, they end up against Notre Dame at home. Phil, can you imagine if Notre Dame is one out at that point and they're ten and one and uh, have to go in to see David Shaw's football team with a college football playoff berth squarely on the line? I mean, possibility, right? You know, and we may be talking about Stanford at the end of the year, like we were talking about USC at the end of last year. Remember, USC had three losses, but we said mm-hmm. no one wants to play USC. They are that dominating and knocking off everybody down the stretch, including Washington on the road. Maybe the same case for Stanford. If they were on the table with those wins that you mentioned, if they're not in the playoff mix, then uh, it would be one of those teams that just misses out. Yeah, no question. You know, I get asked all the time. I, I, I'll tell you right now, as uh, passionate as I am about college football, I would love to be at uh, Palo Alto to check out at the end of the season Stanford hosting Notre Dame. You know what? I got a way that you can do that and get your opportunity to check out any of these fabulous games that we've got coming up in the five, last five, six weeks of the regular season. What's the way to do that? The best, most efficient way to buy tickets for sports events, concerts, comedy, theater, SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek, smart, easy. Uh, All you need to do is have your mobile device ready, get you the seats you want, and better yet, the prices you want. Best tickets the way you want to do it. Just a couple of taps on that mobile device, you'll get the best seats that you want, fully guaranteed. You see your favorite team or musician or comedian, and more important, though, with SeatGeek, uh, they, they, their experience on the app, and trust me, I've done it. I've used it to, uh, to go see Bruno Mars this past summer. I'll save you time and money. SeatGeek will take you through the easiest way possible. And the best part of that experience for you on SeatGeek, you're as strong as steel, listener, right? 
you're here with us today and each and every week, we're going to get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right, 20 bucks off. All you need to do is download that SeatGeek app, enter the promo code STEEL, as in strong as steel, S-T-E-E-L-E, you get your 20 bucks off. Be front and center. It's the best way I could tell you. The seats you want at the price you want. How's it get better than that? Make sure you are a part of it. Make sure you do it the best way, the only way with our friends at SeatGeek. All right, Michael Ragai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim DeBosna. This indeed is strong as steel. We evaluate and analyze a college football weekend like no others. Phil Steele, boy, you know how much I like Dabo Sweeney and his seventh-ranked uh, Clemson Tigers. They're getting back at it this week. They tangle with uh, a very good Georgia Tech football team, a big one in the ACC. Now, Phil, Kelly Bryant's been cleared to play. Of course, he had that concussion, suffered a couple of weeks ago in the loss to Syracuse. Uh, and and now, should, the Tigers run the table, Phil. Uh, and I know they've got to go with NC State next week, but I feel like they're, they're going to be back in a college football playoff to defend their, their championship from last year. They're, the Tigers' D is a top 5-10 to 10 in the FBBS. They only allow 13 points a game. These Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, Phil, we know what that means with that triple option. They're off a couple of touchdown uh, win over Wake Forest last week, two one-point losses against Tennessee and Miami. The Paul Johnson squad and Taquan Marshall, well, Phil, I love him. He's thrown for five TDs. He's ran for 11 more. Cervante Benson, the one of the uh, the running backs, averaged five yards per carry. I, I mean, listen, bottom line is Clemson, is this going to be a difficult assignment for them trying to deal with the Georgia Tech triple option attack? No. <laughs> and when I, when I look at that, I, I like that Clemson's succinct answer, de- no. <laughs> uh, when I look at Clemson's defense, uh, they are loaded. They've got perhaps the best defensive line in the country. That's what you need when you're taking on the option. And how have they fared the last two years against the Georgia Tech option? Well, two years ago at Clemson, they held them to 71 yards rushing, 1.7 yards per carry. Last year, 95 yards rushing, 2.5 yards per carry. Now, Georgia Tech needs to run for 270, 300 yards per game if they're going to be successful. If you're getting under 100 yards against Clemson defense, that tells me that the Clemson defense knows how to defend them, and this is the best Clemson defense they've had in three years. Better defense than either of those two units. That spells trouble. Now, for me, my major question mark I have, and the reason that the only thing holding me back here from just shouting out Clemson in this game is Kelly Bryant, because Kelly Bryant said that he's about 80 85%. Well, if we see that hobbling around Kelly Bryant again, their offense is not as effective. A good portion of their offense is built on Kelly Bryant being able to run the football. You take that away and just make him a pocket passer. I think you're weakening the offense. They only had 317 yards against Syracuse. They do have the running quarterback in Zara Cooper. They do have the passing quarterback in Kelly Bryant, but Kel- or in uh, excuse me in uh, Hunter Johnson. But Kelly Bryant's the combination of the both, and uh, I think without his running ability, Georgia Tech's actually got a decent defense. They're holding opponents to 39 yards below their season average. I like Clemson's defense to dominate the game. I do like Clemson to win by more than two touchdowns. I just hope that uh, Kelly Bryant is closer to that more than 85% coming into this, like he said yesterday he was. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I know I'm foreshadowing, and there's there's a lot to be played, as we always talk about. But I, I do like them to run the table, win the ACC championship game, and be right back with uh, 
Well, Alabama, the Big Ten champion, and then uh, whom in the college football playoff? We'll have plenty of time to discuss that. Also have plenty of time coming up in just a couple of minutes. We'll be checking in with producer Jim Nabosna and uh, get everything lined up that you are excited about uh, on Twitter, social media, big to us. Let's continue to roll here. Let's uh, go to uh, our man uh, Tommy. Is uh, He thinks some uh, Marshall Thundering Herd football with uh, Doc Holliday and friends. Tommy, welcome. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. As you said about Marshall, I uh, made a few sarsaparillas this year on that team, and I'm wondering <laughs> if 17 is a, is a big number. I haven't had a chance to dive into the Phil Steele Plus on it yet, but 17, just it seems like a lot of points. I'm eager to get your thoughts. All right, appreciate appreciate the call, Tommy. And uh, as you know, uh, been on Marshall all season long. Their only loss, by the way, if you haven't been following Marshall, is to North Carolina State, a team that's uh, in the top 20 right now, and they were only outgained by 34 yards in that game. Now, the one game they did not cover this year was Charlotte. Uh, it was a larger spread. They only won by 11, but it, they had a 404 to 212 yard edge. They're actually minus one in turnovers, so it's one of those things where um, I think when you look at Marshall, for the most part, they are getting it done. They've got a dominating defense, one that's holding opponents to just 315 yards per game. Offensively, I like what I see out of Chase Litton. He's still got that 13-3 ratio. they got a couple running backs over 400 yards rushing. Uh, the team itself averaging 4.2 yards per carry. And when you look at FIU, uh, they got beat by Middle Tennessee by 20 on the road. They did beat Rice on the road, but Central Florida beat them by 44. Uh, they, they got by the option last week with Tulane. Alex Magoo is always dangerous, but this year he's not quite the Alex Magoo he was last year. Last year, uh, Magoo had a pretty good year. This year he's got five touchdowns and six interceptions. It's a Marshall ball-hawking defense. I think Marshall's a team that's uh, just gaining confidence by the week, and they're back to prove that they're where they were two years ago, three years ago, and four years ago when they crushed uh, conference points on a weekly basis. I do like Marshall, and uh, I'll lay the lumber in that one. So I'd, I'd continue to continue to use them, Tommy. Appreciate the call. All right, Phil Steele calling for a uh, decisive uh, Marshall win as they uh, this week at home tangle with Florida International. Great to have you along on Strongest Steel, everybody. Michael Regat, Phil Steele, and uh, Jim Nabosna. Let's go out to uh, the great state of uh, California, left coast time uh, here, and say good morning with some Mid-American Conference thoughts from our man, Tony. What's happening, Tony? Welcome to Strongest Steel. Man, it's 108 in California. That's what's happening, Michael. Good morning, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> yeah, stay I'm cool, man. Stay cool. Hey, I got the fans going. There's no AC in the house. <laughs> uh, mm. I'm, I'm fascinated with the Buffalo Akron game. Uh, Buffalo, you know, for the first time last week, didn't cover the spread. And Akron's been trending except for last week when they got uh, lambasted by Toledo. How do you guys see this game here? I I, I like Akron in this one at home. All right, uh, Tony, and uh, start, try to stay cool out there. And I'm going to agree with you in this one. I leave yeah. it with Akron as well. Uh, you're looking at an Akron team that went into Western Michigan and, and won that game two weeks ago. It wasn't dominant. They were outgained by 200 yards, but they did lead the entire game. Western kept making runs at them at the end. Uh, Crush Ball State beat Bowling Green. I know Buffalo's been playing everybody tough this year. They even played Northern Illinois tough at home a couple weeks back, uh, only be, only be losing that one by one. They only lost to Western in seven overtimes. 
but when I look at Buffalo, the, the problem with them is the quarterbacks. Now, Anderson and Jackson were both out last week. They used Van Treese at the quarterback spot. He had just 43%. That had something to do with them losing to a Miami team that was also without its QB. Uh, if Anderson and Jackson are not back, I definitely like Akron this week. But I think even if one of them is back, I just think Akron's the better team at this point. And they're only laying three, three and a half. I, I got to go with the Zips. But it'll be interesting to see what Michael thinks on this one. Yeah, no, Phil, I'm with you. I'll keep it short and sweet. I think Tommy Woodson and his offense, uh, they, they've got enough juice now. Uh, and, yeah, look, they got uh, they got belted around by Toledo last week. I saw Northern Illinois and can't wait uh, on the Rod Carey's football team. And, Phil, you and I are big admirers of Coach Carey. And I had Northern Illinois last week, and uh, they were just outstanding, forcing six turnovers, have legitimately one of the top ten uh, defensive squads in the FBS. But, uh, Toledo, Northern Illinois, that's going to be a showcase coming up next week. But, yeah, I, I like Akron at home to be able. We don't know what the quarterback situation is uh, with uh, uh, actually, Drew Anderson. Actually, Van Vantrees is supposed to start, and uh, the other two guys are both downgraded okay. to doubtful. So it looks like it will be Van Trees. They were downgraded to doubtful. Yeah. I thought maybe there was an opportunity for this being the week that Tyree Jackson, the, uh, the outstanding sophomore who started last year, could get back in. But, uh, all right, it uh, still said it may be Kyle Van Trees. Yeah, I, I like Tommy Bowden, uh, excuse me, Terry Bowden, uh, to Tommy on his staff, his brother, to get back uh, in the win column here uh, as well and uh, to be able to handle that three against Buffalo. Strongest deal. That's how we assess and evaluate each and every one that you want. Let's uh, keep it rolling here, 646-668-2248. Cleveland, Ohio is our stop. Our man Olsen checks in, the Wisconsin Badgers, Olsen. Uh, kind of just sneaking around, still undefeated, just outside that college football playoff. Welcome to the show, Olson. Your thoughts on Wisconsin for Phil? Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, that was a that was a squeaker last week, huh? And that's sort of what like two part question. That's the first one. Um, just sort of around, you know, they're down by or they're up by twenty two rather. And thank you, you Paul know, Chris. Driving lit- yeah, exact. Paul Christ, right? Christ is risen. Um, and, you know, he kicks a field goal with 30 seconds left for the cover and the over. Um, so Love just it. sort of interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, that was, hey, I, I called in last week. I thought the big boys up front were going to steamroll. And, uh, you know, they sure. did. But unfortunately, the defense gave up some points. Um, so just sort of interesting thoughts on that one. And then I'll shoot a question over to Michael as well. Um, you know, sort of as we look at the playoff picture, um, who are your top four as it stands today? Uh, let's take a look at that. Bill, you want to Illinois run. game. And, and yeah, this, go ahead, this Illinois team is one – the Illinois team right now loaded with freshmen. I think they're starting 10 or 11 true freshmen. That's not the type of team you want to run in front of this Wisconsin big physical offensive line. Jonathan Taylor, 1,112 yards in just seven games, fifth player in NCAA, fifth freshman in NCAA history, top 1,000 yards in his first seven games. And, uh, you know, Wisconsin, as I mentioned many times, uh, we're not – the Wisconsin team they are this year, the last two years, they only average like 3.5 and 4.2 yards a carry. They're back to 257 yards per game. Rush 5.5. Defense holding opponents to 131 yards below their season average. 
Illinois lost their top rusher, Mike Epstein, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Bonner's their number two guy, but he didn't even lead the team in rushing last week. Jeff George, a quarterback, has a 4-7 ratio. And this is an Illinois team that uh, got a late touchdown last week against Minnesota, which uh, a meaningless touchdown to some, but a meaningful touchdown to others, which had them only lose by uh, seven against Minnesota. Wisconsin's a much better team. I like the Badgers to uh, go on the road, get this one comfortably. If you go to Nebraska and win by 21, BYU and win by 34, uh, I say lay the lumber in this one. And, and it's it's not, not overly priced. It's not like they're laying four touchdowns in a game. So I think Wisconsin will deliver this week. Appreciate the uh, call there, Olson. Yeah, good stuff, Olson. Phil will make this real quick, though, because Olson asked the question. And this is right now at this moment, right, Phil? That's what he asked. Right now today, yes. October 25th at uh, 12.39 Eastern Time in the afternoon, my top four, Alabama 1, Penn State 2, Clemson 3, and Georgia 4. That's right now today. Subject to change, but that's what I would go with today. What about you, Phil? Well, if I was voting today, uh, I would vote uh, today. Alabama. Yeah, for for the upcoming week, based on what's happened on the season, Alabama, Penn State, uh, TCU, and Georgia would be the four teams, the four undefeated teams. And But that's not who I think gets there. I think in the end, three of those teams will not be in the playoff mix. I've got three different teams making the playoffs, and that would be uh, Alabama. I have Ohio State out of the Big Ten. I've got Oklahoma, which gets a host TCU. And then I have Clemson sneaking into it. I wouldn't have Clemson today, but I would have them at the end of the year. Okay, there's a difference, and I, I'm going. I, I still, to me today, Clemson again. I, I, uh, I don't think they lost that football game. Uh, Kelly Bryant gone down, and I do think they're going to run the table and win the uh, the ACC championship game, and uh, that would have them at uh, what 12 and one, and they'll be back to defend their championship. So it's going to be interesting throughout uh, this final weekend in October and all of November. Appreciate the call, the Olson. Great stuff. All right, all of you on the telephone lines, hang there. We're going to get to you promise you got to uh, check social media as we always do it's a big part of strongest steel let's bring on our uh, outstanding producer mr jim nabosna and he is uh, the man that takes care of the twitter mailbox each and every week here on strongest steel hey jimmy let's let him roll man what do you have for us today we start off with mike mcdonald who says fcsu is off two blowout losses how do they bounce back versus Hawaii, or do they suffer another tough game? Yeah, I think the first loss for San Diego State was one of those unbeaten pressure losses, and it's it's one of those where you're playing with a lot of pressure, you're unbeaten, you have everything in your control. Boise State got two touchdowns in the first quarter, jumping out to a 14 nothing lead. One was on a punt return touchdown, the other on a fumble return touchdown. They had one first down and led 14 nothing took San Diego State out of its game. Last week, I think, a little bit of a bubble burst game for them. Basically, their dreams of playing in that uh, group of five New Year's Day bowl bid looked like they were gone. It's tough to recapture the momentum, and Fresno State's a pretty doggone good football team. But this week, going on the road to Hawaii, uh, they're the much better squad. They're going to be – there's no bubble burst. There's no unbeaten letdown. It's back to being San Diego State football. they got two games to make up in the division standings. This uh, uh, Hawaii team that was beaten by Colorado State at home by 30 points earlier this year, barely got past San Jose State at home. A huge edge defensively for San Diego State, and as long as uh, Rashad Penny can run the football, which I think he will on the wide defense, giving up five yards, 5.9 yards per carry in conference play, I like San Diego State to go on the road and get that one by double digits. Appreciate the tweet there, Mike. 
from Mike Torres, can Michigan bounce back at home and cover the large 24-point spread against the hot Rutgers team? Yeah, and, you know, I think if you, you look at this matchup, uh, you've got a team that's off a very big misleading final, and that's the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Last week, Rutgers played Purdue, came out of there with a 14-12 to win. They were outgained 474 to 217. They were out first down Whoa. 25 to 8. So they didn't have a great offense and they didn't have a great defense. Somehow some way they won that game. And guess what? They're tied with Michigan in the Big 10 standings. They're each 2 and 2. And this is Don Brown's defense. Don Brown's defense just got shredded for 506 yards. Do you think he's a happy camper this week? And then you think that the 23-point spread looks to be fairly large. I'm going to take you back to last year. Michigan played Rutgers last year on the road, mind you. Won that game 76 to nothing. 600 yards offense to 39. Now, granted, the, the things have gotten a little bit closer between the two, but I don't think 50 points closer between the two. I like Michigan to win this one and, and take out their anger for last week's loss a little bit when in a possible shutout. Appreciate the uh, tweet, Mike. Green Oaks says, is Indiana's underperforming offense going to cost them a must-needed win against Maryland on Saturday? Uh, I don't think it will. And, you know, when you look at Indiana's offense this year, let's take a look at some of the defenses they've been taking on. Uh, I mean, they took on the four big boys in the Big Ten. I'm talking Ohio State's defense, Penn State's defense, Michigan's defense, Michigan State's defense. Maryland's defense, uh, believe it or not, I'm not going to put them in that category. They are not in the same level. And what we've seen is when Indiana is matched up against a uh, defense that's not one of the premier defenses in college football, they could put some points on the board. Heck, they had 352 yards against Penn State. They had 437 yards against Ohio State. I think you will see Indiana's offense do well. And their defense is very underrated. A lot of folks came into this season thinking that uh, they had a weak defense, just gauging them from years past. But in reality, they're holding opponents to 40 yards per game below their season average. Max Bortenschlager, the quarterback for Maryland, has got a nice touchdown-interception ratio, 7-3. That's about it. He's not running the ball well, and he's only hitting he's hitting under 50% of his passes. Uh, and with defenses keying on Ty Johnson, Ty Johnson's no longer averaging at 10 yards per carry. He's down to 6.9. In fact, Maryland... Uh, has been struggling on the offensive side of the ball. So I like Indiana to go on the road and get the win there. Appreciate the tweet. And DJ Rice, who's expecting inclement weather in Chicago, says would inclement weather in Chicago this weekend benefit Michigan State or Northwestern more? Uh, I think it's just going to key into another low-scoring defensive struggle. Same thing with Michigan State-Indiana last week, low-scoring uh, defensive game, same thing with Northwestern Iowa last week. Defensive low-scoring game, and I think that would keep it much the same. One thing I will say about uh, Northwestern here is that they seem to gain a lot of confidence from that win over Iowa, and uh, I think they're starting to feel the roots a little bit. It's good to see Justin Jackson starting to run the football. Both he and L.J. Scott had sort of a slow start to the season. They're both running it better, but Jackson's up close to a thousand, or um, up close to six over 600 yards right now. Quarterback edge, pretty close. Uh, defenses, pretty close. Slight edge, Michigan State. But the home edge goes to Northwestern, and I just think that they're becoming more confident by the week. So I like Northwestern to get the win at home there. Appreciate the tweet. 
All good stuff, and Phil, I'm with you on that as well. Last week, Michigan State uh, really struggled offensively. I know they put the two TD drives together late to win it, but, uh, you know, they're through about, what, 40? Yeah, go ahead, Phil. Uh, The second TD, Indiana let them score. They basically told them, don't tackle Uh, us. The only way we could stay in the game, they were down one. So really only one TD drive. The other one would have been, uh, had Indiana played defense, it probably wouldn't have scored a touchdown. Good call on your part. I looked at the All-22 this week. That's Coach's film where you see All-22. You're exactly right. Is Both uh, Indiana safeties backed off and let uh, L.J. Scott get to the corner. So I just don't, I, I'm with you. I love it because I, I like Northwestern in this one as well. I, I just Michigan State, look, defense, yes, but offensively, man, they're prone to turning the football over, and uh, I, I think they're going to have trouble with Northwestern um, at, uh, at Ryan Field this week. All right, 646-668-2248, strong as steel is how we do it. I'm Michael Regai, my partner Phil Steele, uh, the very best in the business, our producer Jim Nabosna. Let's get back at it with all of you. Uh, we didn't forget about Oklahoma State and Texas Tech now. Uh, we did not forget about that. Love that matchup this week. And our man Moody from New Jersey is with us on Strong as Steel, and he's all over that. Hey, Moody, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, I'm looking at that um Oklahoma State game this week at West Virginia. Um, I just think that the total is is kind of overpriced at 73. I think it should be around like 68 or so. I know West Virginia been giving it up at conference play, but I think Oklahoma State's uh, defense is sneaky good and better than people give them credit for. And West Virginia, they're supposed to be better on defense, and I just – I just got to see an improvement. And also, I'm looking at the Texas and Baylor, trying to do a correlated parlay with that. I just think Texas will overmatch Baylor. Baylor going to sneak somebody this year, but I don't think Texas is, is one of the teams. I want to know what you guys think about a, a parlay. Okay. With- All right. Appreciate the call, Moody. And uh, uh, both games, uh, not really with you on either one of them. So, uh, you know, when you look at the Oklahoma State, West Virginia, West Virginia's defense giving up 63 yards per game more than what opponents come in averaging. Oklahoma State last week against Texas only had 13, but I think Texas has a pretty good defense, and they were in the underdog role, which they thrive in. Oklahoma State still putting up 179 yards above what their opponents average. So I like Oklahoma State to light it up. And the thing about Will Greer, he can hurt you as well. He might put some points on the board. 26-5 ratio so far this year. Uh, you look at their previous home game against Texas Tech, it was 46-35. to Granted, Tech did lead the majority of that game. I think Oklahoma State's a better team. To me, the better play in the Oklahoma State-West Virginia game than the under would be Oklahoma State. I think they go on the road and get that one. Now, with Texas, my main concern there is that Tom Herman is a master as an underdog. I'm talking about 8-0, 100%. The guy's never lost as an underdog. It's a little bit different as a conference favorite, however. They're not as qual- not as good. Uh, the Kansas State game earlier this year is one of those where if you played it early, you might have won. Played it late, it was six and a half. You lost. And that game was in overtime. Uh, they struggled at Iowa State. Did get the cover there. But when he was at Houston, he had a very poor record as a, as a favorite. And this is a Baylor team that has played some teams tough this year. And, you, you know, you go back and, and look at uh, a couple of the games uh, for Baylor so far this year. And they've been closer than expected, like Oklahoma, for example, an eight-point loss there. And even last week against West Virginia, they were down, but they fought back. They've gone to Charlie Brewer, the freshman at quarterback. He's not putting up the same 
uh, great stats that Zach Smith was, but he is guiding some touchdowns, and he is somewhat mobile. So uh, you're looking at a team that played West Virginia within two. They gave Kansas State a game, Oklahoma a game. One of these days they'll break through. And just not wild about Tom Herman in the favorites role, especially coming off a couple of big underdog efforts. Appreciate the call as always, though, Moody. Yeah, good stuff, Moody. Still, I wonder, though, a little bit about uh, in Oklahoma State, a uh, tough one in Morgantown this week. But what about looking ahead? Next two weeks, Bedlam against starts rival Oklahoma. Then they got to go to Iowa State. Uh, you think Mike Gundy's team could get caught in that fashion with those next two looming? Uh, I think Oklahoma State realizes that they are a national title contender with one loss. You pick up a second loss, you're done. Right. It's over. So, yeah. uh, and this is a West, West Virginia team comes in with a pretty good record on the year. They're you know they're only have two losses. They're five and two. They know the last time they traveled to West Virginia, and you know West Virginia fans are loud, and and they know about it. Uh, it was a good game. It was a seven point game the last time here. So I think they're forewarned, and they're not going to take West Virginia lightly. All right, we're in the fourth quarter here in this week nine edition of Strong as Steel. Let's keep this thing rolling strong and uh, be good in the fourth quarter. That's how you win in college football. Let's go to the great state of Alabama. Here's Chad with some thoughts on Gus Malzahn's football team. Auburn. Hello, Chad. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. How y'all doing? Real good. Wonderful, wonderful. Not as much really worried about uh, how, how good the football team really is going to do as how much uh, Gus Malzahn has a future at Auburn. And, and uh, uh, do you, mainly, do you guys think that he can coach Auburn uh, to a win to Georgia and a win at Alabama and, and uh, sneak his team back through the back door to the playoffs? All right. No, not call, me. Chad. I'm a no for that. I, I think it'd be tough. You? I think it'd be tough to get. Yeah, I think it'd be tough to get to the playoffs with two losses. But I'll tell you this: I would probably give the odds close to fifty percent that he knocks off either Georgia or Alabama. I think if there's one team that could throw a monkey wrench into Georgia and Alabama season, it's Auburn. Defensively, they're as talented as Georgia. Very close to Alabama. Offensively, they've got the run game. If Stidham is on target, then they're they're doing well with the pass game. Auburn's a very dangerous threat to Georgia and, and a very dangerous threat in the Iron Bowl to Alabama. But uh, I don't know if they can knock them both off. Appreciate the call, Chad. Good stuff, Chad. Let's keep going here. Back to the state of Ohio uh, with some thoughts on the ACC from our guy Derek. Derek, what's happening? How are you today? Well, I'm doing good, and I'm glad to help you guys out in this fourth quarter. Uh, we did have a coaching change, and I don't know if you guys, you know, talked about it, but uh, give the callers a little tidbit. You might want to look at that Georgia Southern. But uh, we want to go Duke and Virginia Tech. What do you guys think? I know uh, V Tech is uh, looking ahead, perhaps, and Duke needs a win. You tell me what you guys think. You guys have a great day. All right. Appreciate it. All right, Derek. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, and good good note on the Georgia Southern because there would be your coaches bounce for mm-hmm. Georgia Southern this week, uh, as we've talked about. So, so as once again, uh, Michael, our listeners are just amazing. They they pick up uh, all the little things out there. Uh, some of the best listeners in the Terrific. world, no doubt. And when you look at when you look at Duke here this week, uh, Cutcliffe's always dangerous as a dog. They played Florida State within seven. 
Uh, I, the Virginia game, they really were in control. They had something like a 9-2 to two edge late first half, ended up losing by 7. Last week at home, they were in the favorites role, and they couldn't handle it against Pitt. But now they are on the road as an underdog. And they have a pretty good defense. Duke's defense this year holding opponents at 36 yards per game below their season average, uh, which is a very good number, especially for Duke. And then you take a look at the, what Virginia Tech is in next week. They have got Miami of Florida, and the week after that, they have the option of Georgia Tech. So it's a good week for Duke to take on VT. I still think VT is a stronger team and gets the win uh, and continues to um, have a solid season. Right now, they only have one loss, and theoretically, they're in the national title landscape. But, yes, I do think Duke can give Virginia Tech a game in that one. And uh, the spread's 15-and-a-half. They probably do keep it under two touchdowns. Appreciate the call, as always. Yep, good stuff. Uh, could be a big month of November, too, for Virginia Tech. Phil, we've got to touch on the number four team in the land right now. You just put them in right now today, the college football playoff. Those those hard frogs of TCU, they, they listen, they, they're flying under the radar, but we know how strong and balanced they are. Kenny Hill's doing a terrific job, 41 points per game. Kenny Hill's starting quarterback, of course, triggering that offense. Real balance, terrific defense. They're averaging 14 a game. They're top 10 FBS. And now, Phil, this week, it's Matt Campbell and number 25, Iowa State. TCU going to stay unbeaten and not get caught here? Well, I tell you what, generally Iowa State can sneak up on you, but Iowa State's not going to sneak up yep. on anybody. They're ranked this week, so, I mean, that's that's a rarity for them. And Gary Patterson's just one of those coaches out there who doesn't overlook anything. And I feel TCU's got the best defense in the Big 12. They're holding opponents to 142 yards per game below their season average. Iowa State's got a good defense as well, 89 yards below their season average. But offensively, they still got to give the edge to TCU. Big game experience. Now, Iowa State could pull it off as an underdog, but now I think a lot of folks are saying, hey, they've got a chance. And now they're both ranked. So. It's sort of uncharted territory for Iowa State. Generally, when teams enter the rankings, what I found out, Michael, is that they, the first week in the rankings, they generally don't do very well because of the fact they're not right. used to being up there in the rankings. So I'm going to go with TCU to go on the road and win that one by over a touchdown. It is a very dangerous spot, but I do like the Frogs to win that one by over a touchdown. Yeah, okay. I, listen, we've got to keep a close eye on Matt Campbell, though, for a lot of reasons, Phil. I mean, TCU this week, homecoming at Morgantown, West Virginia next week, Oklahoma State on November 11th at Baylor, and then at Kansas State. So he's going to have a big say-so, Matt Campbell, what goes on in the Big 12. It's been a terrific fourth quarter. We are finishing strong, as strong as Steele would uh, denote. Let's keep it rolling. Back out to California. Oh, those Florida State Seminoles and Jimbo Fisher. Things get a little bit testy. They got Boston College this week. Hey, Ryan, what do you want to know about it, man? Go right ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I'm uh, calling about Florida State at Boston College. I see Boston College coming off a two-game winning streak, one of them being at Louisville and Florida State coming off a loss uh, at home versus Louisville. Do you think Florida State covers that three? Thanks. Appreciate the call. And this is going to be – it's probably going to be the red bandana game for BC. Remember, they upset USC in that game a couple of years ago. And uh, Boston College – you know, Florida State may have taken on the toughest schedule in the country so far. I have them rated number one. Number two is Boston College. Look who BC has taken on. And we're talking about, you know, Northern Illinois, a very good uh, MAC team. Wake Forest, one of the uh, a strong ACC team. But then teams like Notre Dame, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Louisville. And they upset Louisville. Last week they went on the road and pummeled Virginia. And the difference? A.J. Dillon. 
Now, when I talked to Coach Adazio at the start of the year, we were expecting John Hillman to return to form. That hasn't happened. A.J. Dillon's happened, though. 694 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. Anthony Brown's starting to throw the ball better. And defensively, while they've given up yards and points this year, they're actually holding opponents to 20 yards below their season average because all the great offenses they've taken on. Same thing with Florida State. They've given up 350 yards per game. Sounds high, but that's 132 yards per game below what their opponents are averaging this year. So they have a pretty good defense. I think this is a low-scoring defensive game. Both teams can run the ball. I mean, you're talking about A.J. Dillon for uh, B.C. And for uh, Florida State, you're looking at a guy like Cam Akers and maybe even Rasul gets in there with Patrick being injured. Uh, and Boston College be fired up at home. I probably like Florida State, but only by about a field goal, and that number's starting to climb above that. Mm. So I'm probably leaning a little bit with the underdog, and uh, I think it could be one of those wacky Thursday night or Friday night games. And I tell you what, Florida State needs this win because they still have to play at Clemson, at Florida, and they've got four losses. They need to make a bowl game this year. Yeah, they do, boy. Can you imagine if Jimbo Fisher's squad doesn't – Comes down the last weekend or so, needing that uh, win to get bowl eligible. Phil, wow, uh, that's not going to be fun in Tallahassee. All right, strongest steel inside the uh, the two minute mark. Now let's wind it up from the great state of New Jersey. Uh, our group of five friends. Uh, we have so many of you. Phil and I are group of five friends too. Here's Nani thinking about that Sun Belt battle: Arkansas State, New Mexico State. Nani, go right ahead. Welcome to the show. Hi, yes, I'm Arkansas State fan. I just um, want to know if you guys are paying on an Arkansas State fan this weekend or covering the spread going over. All right, appreciate the call. All right, Donnie. You know, of the two choices of uh, either Arkansas State or the over, I probably lean a little bit more with the over in this one because Mexico State has an explosive offense. They've got Larry Rose back now in the lineup. Uh, he had uh, sat out the Georgia Southern game. He has 477 yards. Tyler Rogers. Uh, can make some big plays. He's got 19 touchdown passes, but he also has 13 interceptions. I look how New Mexico State's playing. They probably should have covered against App State. They led by seven in the fourth quarter, gave up three late touchdowns, ended up losing by 14. They played Arkansas tough. They uh, only lost to Troy by three. They beat New Mexico on the road. They only lost to Arizona State by six. So this is uh, a New Mexico State team where their most improved thing on the team is their defense. Uh, their leading ta- or second leading tackler from last year is second or third string right now. Defensively, they're holding opponents at 387 yards per game as opposed to 497 yards per game last year. But Arkansas State was my pick to run the table and go unbeaten in the Sun Belt. And they looked pretty good last week, beating Louisiana 47-3. to I like how Justice Hansen is uh, throwing the football this year, 21 touchdowns and six interceptions. I think both teams will score. I find it difficult to go against either one here. So uh, I'd probably go with the over would be my pick there. But I do like Arkansas State to win the game and appreciate the call. Yep, good stuff, Nani. Blake Anderson, one of uh, Phil and yours truly, the favorite head football coaches from the group of five, does a terrific job in Jonesboro, Arkansas, with those Red Wolves. Hey, Phil, we're out of time, man. It goes way too quickly, but uh, we covered a lot of ground this week, and now it's uh, on to uh, another big weekend of games starting tomorrow night. Enjoy it. Let everybody know where they can see you this week um, all along the ESPN side. Yeah, I appreciate it, Michael. Uh, check out Sports Centers of tomorrow. I'll be in Bristol uh, all day Thursday, so check out Sports Center all day long. And then, of course, ESPN Insider. Uh, you know, I get college up there, NFL up there, uh, Vegas Power Ratings, and more. 
ESPN Insider, just $3.33 a month. Go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele. Also on Friday, I know the Phil Steele Plus Game of the Week has lost two in a row, but we'll pick it up this week and get one. I'll have a Phil Steele Plus Game of the Week for you on Friday. And also check out InsideThePressBox.com. That's InsideThePressBox.com. All 55 college games, all 13 NFL games covered in the newsletter this week. Michael, got to run, but uh, fun as always, my friend, and have a great weekend. Yeah, you too, buddy. Way to rock it. That's Phil Steele, everybody. Uh, make sure you check out everything that you have at your availability with uh, philsteele.com, as he just said, inside the press box. And uh, Phil Steele Plus and what have you, you will be covered that way. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, always with a, a tremendous job for us, and all of you as well. As we said earlier in the show, you guys are tremendous. Your insights on college football, we love how passionate you are. Uh, it, pat- it matches the passions of, uh, of Jim, Phil, and yours truly. So uh, keep it coming. Remember, you can check out iTunes anytime you want as well to get all of our, uh, all of our episodes of Strong as Steel. Have yourself a terrific final weekend on the college football side in the month of October. Things will start really shaking out. Remember, next week uh, when we get with you, we'll have our first uh, college football uh, playoff a poll being done. We'll see where the top five rank, and we'll discuss it, of course, on Strong as Steel. That's going to do it. So for Phil Steele, for Jim DeBosna, I'm Michael Regai. Great to have you with us, everybody. We'll see you next time right here on another edition of Strong as Steel. Till then, so long. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.